Welcome to 50% with Marcel Combs. On this podcast, we will travel a journey of leadership with each guest as she analyzes the ingredients that lead women to their current role. Marcel's goal is for you to walk away with tools to support your very own journey, no matter where your current destination is today. So that's that's always a good day. It I don't know if I would really ever say I'm horrible <laughs> on this podcast. That would be a real downer You're for people, don't you that. think? No way. Some days I think it's at night. Yeah. Uh, that when you're does. Done. Yes. The when you're over. done, you wake up in the morning and you think it's a new day. That's I can do it. anything. And by the end of the day, you think, oh. Yeah, here's my pillow. I, I, I we'll can't. Start tomorrow. That's right. <laughs> I can't do anything today. Today we have the great honor with Fifty mm-hmm. Percent with Marcel Combs to talk to Dr. Heather Walker. Mm-hmm. What a delightful young woman who yes. lives in Austin. <laughs> she she has a young daughter, mm-hmm. which she's mm-hmm. going through the the phases of working and having a child Absolutely. I, been there. Been I want there. to ask her a few a few days later how her hammock she had ordered yeah. a hammock <laughs> I have this picture of her in the hammock as we listened <laughs> to her because she was truly delightful and had some really key things to say Marcella I wow know that, uh, I know I uh, hear that she the the one quote that I love by her when she's talking about culture in the workplace mm-hmm. says a unique culture starts with moments mm-hmm. that matter that's powerful and mm-hmm. you know back in in our many years <laughs> yeah. of workplace we used to do a lot of surprise and delight yes. and that that's real easy at first and becomes mm-hmm. difficult and, and <laughs> under yeah, yeah. COVID yeah. has has put forth some challenges mm-hmm. that I don't think we foresaw no absolutely not we have to be more creative uh, but people respond to that, and that's kind of her whole thing. Uh, yes. Connecting in the workplace, Marcel, how important. Aww. She says she gets jazzed up about people. <laughs> I just love that. I'm going to have to use that. But, um, really jazzed up, yeah. for sure. And so she she really talks about levity, and I mm-hmm. think that's lightening up. And as I've, I've seen so many, so near and dear to our heart, yes. our nurses, mm-hmm. So we we see so many of them working so many hours in difficult situations, mm-hmm. and in that I've heard many of them say that also makes people more leery of mm-hmm. them when they're working in an intense situation. Many times with COVID patients, absolutely, and so mm-hmm. people are a little more afraid of them mm-hmm. when they leave. So that puts almost a stigma. So if there was ever a time that we need right levity, now. it's now. It, absolutely, right now, and. Uh, she does talk about that reconnecting with yourself. Uh-huh. You know, uh, uh-huh. nurses aren't traditionally good caretakers of themselves. Uh, and so how important to get this concept oh, down for our leaders. Um, absolutely. And she also uh, pioneered the development and validation of a levity at work scale. <laughs> I know, that's so, so fun. Uh, that's, that's way fun, and it's a 
comes at a time, I think for many, many years, mm -hmm. organizations thought they couldn't have fun at work. Mm -hmm. My personal motto <laughs> was always we needed to try to yes. have a little fun at work every day. So I, I think I'm a heart friend with this gal when it mm -hmm. comes to the workplace. So, and, and what really holds us together as an organization long term. Yeah, absolutely. This episode, she is joined by Dr. Heather Walker. Back in 2009, Dr. Heather Walker became fascinated by the idea that having fun at work could lead to a levity effect, where businesses can actually reap benefits from their employees lightening up. She went on a journey with a small team of graduate students at St. Louis University to identify and understand the components of levity at work. Through her dissertation research, Dr. Heather Walker studied 800 plus professionals, and she too discovered that higher levels of levity are related to higher levels of several employee impressions. Sensing global despair and utter chaos, Dr. Heather Walker shed her alter ego and took to the skies to bring levity to workplaces everywhere. Her mission is clear, to support leaders who care about the environment they create with data and insights that improve levity at work. Welcome, Heather. I'm so glad to have you today here on 50% with Marcel Combs. It's a beautiful day in Texas, and I know we're going to have a great conversation. You know, it is a super beautiful day in Texas. I just ordered a hammock from Amazon, and it arrived right. yesterday, late yesterday afternoon. Wow. You know how they say it's going to arrive by 9? Well, it arrived uh -huh. around 4.30. <laughs> Perfect time <laughs> okay. to just break it out. And I tried for the first time in years to relax in a hammock. It was a beautiful thing. Wow, that's fabulous. I have a son who lives in the Austin area, and he was telling me last Christmas, he has a boat, and he was telling me last Christmas, it was 70 degrees on Christmas Day. Mm. And I was like, wow, uh, I guess we won't have to winterize that boat then. Um, <laughs> oh, definitely so maybe, not. <laughs> maybe you can definitely keep not. that up through, through the holidays. Uh, I know people in other parts of the country that are listening are going to be so jealous of that. Austin is a a beautiful area of Texas. So tell me, I, I always love to begin to have you tell us a little bit about your journey. And you can really just start. I know uh, you have your PhD. Talk to us about how you, what you decided what to do in life and how that's led you to where you are today. Right, right. So I will skip the baby years and I'll, <laughs> okay. I'll dive straight into like passions and stuff. Um, okay. I, <laughs> it's, it's always an interesting question and a little bit of a loaded question too. Like what, where are they going to go with, with this answer? Right. Um, <laughs> right. I think that I became really interested in psychology because I've always been fascinated by the way people that, the way people connect with each other. And the way we approach or avoid how we choose to interact with each other can really make or break the difference between whether you have a dominance and power and, and, and you're holding people back, holding people down, or you're uplifting them, you're freeing and helping people escape 
mental strongholds and mindsets and um, walking with them and partnering with them. So I've always just been fascinated by people and um, sort of study people <laughs> around me. Like, oh, let gosh. me let me look at these humans in their natural habitat. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh, what are they doing? Habitat in Austin, Texas, for sure. Yeah, what are they? What are they doing over there? And um, it, how is this conversation going to go? And and what makes for strong relationships and all of that? So I've I've always been really fascinated by by human connection, and I think that's why I got so jazzed up about psychology and the study of people. <laughs> um, so I, I went to Texas Women's University and was blessed to get into research and, and to learn, learn even more about psychology and, and dive deeply into that. And then I went to grad school in St. Louis, which is completely different mm -hmm. than Austin. Uh, but there okay. I, I was able to take that love for people and how people connect and apply it to the workplace. And I, I went on and continued with psychology, but I learned that there is an entire field of psychology that just focuses on how people work and what makes them more motivated to get things done. How can we help people be more productive? How can we help people connect better at work? And how do we ensure that we're bringing in top talent that fits with the role or that adds value to the role? So all of that psychology, I, I've been able to apply to the workplace and I've really enjoyed that over the last few years. I find that so interesting myself as having led a large organization for a long time. I know you put in your information that you do work in HR. So, so tell me, I, I hear what you're saying with how it helps people work and what motivates them. Can you give us some examples of that? Right. So let's say that, and I'll, I'll try and connect this with some HR speak and, and scenarios okay. and all of that. Um, you are on your couch and you're you're watching one of those commercials. There used to be those commercials on TV where they're like, what are you doing? You're on the couch. You need a job. You need to go out there. You need to do something with your life. <laughs> do you remember those commercials? <laughs> you need to do something with your life. So you decide, I'm going to do something with my life. I want money. I want to go out there. I want to get a job. And you put together your application and you send it out to all of these organizations. Well, a lot of the larger organizations, a lot of the more sophisticated HR functions will use tools to screen applicants. Those tools can include personality assessments. They can include integrity tests mm -hmm. and skills tests. IO psychologists are instrumental in developing tools like that to help companies better understand their applicant pool and to come up with some criteria based on the job, the, the role requirements and all of that, what's actually needed for the job and select people based on that, screen people based on that. That's one example, one application. Um, once you're in a role, Let's say you have decided, I want to, I want to move into leadership one day. I can do so much more with this position that I'm in. 
Well, you might go into a leadership development program that's been developed by an IO psychologist. Uh, so there, <laughs> there are lots of um, different, different ways that we are able to impact the whole talent management cycle from hiring to bringing someone on board, onboarding, <laughs> um, performance management, rewards and recognition, change management even. So helping people, let's say you want to implement Microsoft Teams, which came out, I think this year for a lot of organizations, mm -hmm. they're implementing Microsoft right. Teams. And for a lot of organizations, they weren't used to using anything before. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. So when you, when you introduce new technology, oftentimes you'll bring in a project manager to ensure that everything is happening to scope within timeline, that all of the, the objective components of the project are being met and they're running smoothly. But there's also another role that often comes in, which is the change manager. And that person is responsible mm -hmm. for ensuring that the people can actually handle the change and they'll adopt the change. They get jazzed up about it. We're, we're talking about reinforcing the kind of performance that you want to see so that eventually um, th they're not rejecting it. They're like, yes, I want to use Teams. I'm a Teams warrior. This is my thing. <laughs> I can teach other people how to use it. And I'm, <laughs> I'm telling everyone about it. So um, there are lots of different things and activities that IO psychologists get into within an organization. Um, we're not HR, but we often work with HR. One of the things that I think about, the good thing about this whole pandemic and COVID-19 and all that's gone on that's bad, I think one of the good things that has moved us light speed to using technology that was probably out there, right. all of it was out there in some fashion before, but now it's become uh, almost, uh, I, I would say this because I have a background in healthcare, uh, healthcare slow to move to new technologies. Mm. And all of a sudden, if you don't have your camera on, with what with Zoom or with Teams or some people are still using WebEx <laughs> and other types of technology. It is it's almost like you're not really up to date, or everyone thinks perhaps <laughs> perhaps you got up late that yes. day and you just don't want to show your face in it, uh, which all of the above could um, could apply to me. <laughs> so thinking about that, and when you say I/O, you mean industrial organizational psychology. Mm -hmm. uh, psychologist, yes, or psychology. Um, so just to clarify that for the audience, but when you um, when you think about the change that has impacted people unwillingly, I might add, over the last, well, really since March, if we really want to get down to it for the first time, we saw the United States shut mm -hmm. down, businesses yeah. shut down, and the, the kind of change, how would someone with your credentials help an organization walk through that? Because even now, I mean, I, I, we, are, we deal a lot with uh, exhibit halls and with, um, you know, things where you went in person um, 
to many different conferences. And now they're all online, all with a new technology, all with a new platform almost every day. So how do, how do you help organizations walk through that? Yes, that's a really, really good question. And I think you're going back to what you said before. You're right. No one wants to be seen as or, or even feel like a dinosaur right now. And I've heard that term come up several times this year, um, just to kind of describe that whole feeling of, no, I don't know how to use this technology. I don't know Slack. I don't know (laughs) Teams. I don't know Zoom. I don't know any of that. And I'm having to, to dive into it. And it's incredibly overwhelming. And I don't have a guide. There's no one there to walk me through Mm -hmm. it. So uh, what we need is a guide. And honestly, quite frankly, we need a whole team of guides uh, during this pandemic. Mm -hmm. So usually when we talk about change management, we start with uh, an end in mind. What is the ideal state that you're trying to get to? And it has been a little bit of a challenge here with the pandemic because we're not necessarily (laughs) looking at long-term planning these days. We're looking at short-term planning and, um, yeah, and and micro-planning, if you will. So next month, what do you want your end result to be? What what is ideal for you? Then we would put some, some supports in place. So once you have your your end in mind, typically you want to look at how ready are we to actually make the changes that we need to make to get there. In a formalized way, you would typically undergo like readiness assessments and the leadership team would be assessed and evaluated as well to see if they're ready to coach people to manage the change? Have they have they ever done anything like that in, in the past? In this case, it would be no, no, no. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> right. We're starting from right. scratch here. So, so we'd get a lot of data to see, are people ready for the change? Are there a lot of other changes going on at the same time? So when I'm working with an organization, if they're launching a massive IT infrastructure change, and they're launching a new leadership program, and they're restructuring uh, uh, business units, that might be a little bit too much for the organization to handle. Maybe the, the entity can handle that, but the people may not be able to handle that. And we'd have some really frank conversations about, are you ready to lose some of your most critical players when they burn out on that? Um, so, so we'd have those conversations and again, during the pandemic, it is challenging because the answer to, is there a lot going on? Yes, there's a lot going on right now. At the same time, people are dealing with health concerns. They're dealing with trying to parent, um, in, in a changing environment with schools. Um, they're dealing with all of these technology changes and, and, in some cases, instability with finances and with their work. So there is a lot going on right now. Um, So we would want to to build in some support for leadership in terms of ensuring that they can be resilient in these times, um, that they have the messaging that they need to provide to employees, that they're able to coach their employees through it. Um, And we talk about what 
what do you feel are going to be the most uh, critical areas of exposure? Is it that people are, are tired and this is another thing and we failed before with other things that we've tried? Are we going up against that or are we going up against a lack of resources? What are we going up against to, that we need to make sure that we are actually supporting the organization as well as our leadership so that they can get through that? Um, we'd focus on communication plans, training plans, mentorship plans, and then also how do we celebrate success as we move through the different mm -hmm. processes, the different stages. Um, and then there, there's always, always feedback, ensuring that we're checking in at specific points to say, how's it going? How's it going? Okay, I've got your feedback. I'm incorporating that. Change management itself is a very structured process. There are mm -hmm. lighter forms of it that we could apply in these situations, but it will require more micro planning than I think most of us are used to right now. You know, when you say that, I think we've been in warp mm -hmm. speed, if you will. In a perfect world, you would have time, as you mentioned, to do some of these things. What's your best advice to organizations when there's no other choice? And I, I one of the things I think about is the restaurant industry. Right. Um, all of a sudden, they... They just had to That's do right. takeout. They're now drive-throughs. I mean, it's either do takeout or game over. Uh, so, so what are the things that you, if you had a one, two, three, that would be your advice to help those organizations? So, the organizations that are going through that level of um, uncertainty, and that's not everyone. Some industries are doing okay. just fine right now. And, and it's just a matter right. of tweaking as opposed to completely revolutionizing the way they do business. That said, yeah. I give people so much credit and they have so many solutions. And if your organization is set up in a very bureaucratic way with a lot of structures in place that um, it's more top down, it takes a lot longer for information, ideas, all of that to come up to your, your senior leaders, that's not what we need right now. What we need is to break down those barriers between senior leadership and the front lines so you can get those ideas. So I would be doing more town halls, more, um, more sessions to creatively brainstorm how we can uh, do business in a different way and listen to the people that you have on the front lines because they already know what doesn't work chances are good they've already thought of some other ideas and they can really help you <laughs> think about uh, how you can creatively do work mm. in business differently. You know, let's, let's switch gears here and talk a little bit. And you, you mentioned it just a second. My heart has gone out to a lot of women. And I, I think about this in healthcare, the job has continued, even though a lot of places have shut down and we have a yeah. little bit of a yo-yo yeah. going yeah. on uh, with children and they're home and they have to be online and then they're back in class That's and right. then they're back at home. And, and I think about the working moms, which in my field, it was female dominated work. And a lot of the 
home health and hospice. And so talk to us about your advice and how's it going with you? Because I know you have one child at home. Do you have some pearls of wisdom that you've learned through all this? (laughs) For those of you out there who have young ones, um, because I, I, you know, depending on where your kids are at in their developmental stages, they're going through different things. And it's Mm -hmm. very, very challenging for people who have kids under eight, age eight right now, and they're trying to meet over Zoom and Google Hangouts and all of that. Yes, my daughter is is home, but she is going to school in person as well every week. And she's been doing that since August. And what I can tell you is that we as, as women, as parents, we have to show ourselves some compassion. I say that because <laughs> I'm sure that when I when I just said she's been going to school since August in person, I'm sure some of you cringed and judged me just a little bit. <laughs> and that's okay because yeah. I came to terms a long, long time ago with the fact that every decision that we make as parents is controversial. I don't care what it is. If you decide to... Huh? Uh, let your kid stay up late, or if you have them going to bed at seven, someone on the other side is going to think you're either too much of a prude or you don't give enough structure. Um, (laughs) You know, like no matter what you decide to do, that's a controversial decision. So I want to encourage the parents out there. If you have made a decision to keep your kid at home, I want to encourage you. Don't feel bad about that. If you have made a decision to send your kid to school, I want to encourage you, don't feel bad about that because you're doing that with the, the, the information that you have available to you right now, and you're making the best decision that you can make for your family with that information. And that's all that any of us can do. Um, So for me and, and my family, it's been a challenge. Uh, My daughter is six and she, she knows how to run a zoom meeting. (laughs) So I have become, (laughs) yes, I have become her assistant. So I schedule and she, she'll walk up to me and she'll say, mommy, you know, I really want to meet with Brendan, my little cousin, you know, and I want to meet with grandma and I want to meet with auntie and (laughs) I want it to be Saturday at this time or, or, Monday, and she'll tell me, and I have to set up. I, I don't have to, but <laughs> I set up these meetings yeah. for her, and she to. has she has our Zoom code, yeah. and she runs these meetings, and it's really impressive. <laughs> it's so fabulous. impressive because some of them are dance <laughs> meetings um, where she has dance parties, and then sometimes <laughs> they are oh, uh, she has family feud game night. And just different, different things. She's so creative. Uh, she's <laughs> an only great. child. So it's been a challenge in that way because she's home and kids mm-hmm. really, really mm-hmm. do need other people around them. They need that social development, that, that feedback so that they can develop socially. Mm-hmm. I want to move because I want to sh- make sure we spend some time on your levity uh, work and, and that you have, uh, you pioneered and developed and validated. I know that that's good for uh, yes. higher education, the levity at work scale. 
And so I'd love to, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about right, that. Right, right. I studied levity in graduate school, which was not the most popular thing to study at the time. Academics love serious topics. We do. We do. And yes. I'm a recovering academic. And I decided at some point, uh, it was in grad school around the recession, the last recession that we had, the market crashed, everything was falling, the sky was falling, and it was terrible. And I decided that I, I needed a change. And I was looking around for solutions. And I was a manager at the time for a, a university. And I was working in HR. It, it was rough. It was rough times <laughs> for us. I mean, that was the first time in my life that I had to go through yeah. active shooter training because they were afraid, they were concerned that employees oh, wow. would come back for us. So those are the kind wow. of times that I was operating in. And I was just looking around like, can is, is this life? Is this what life is going to be like? And is this what work is going to look like for me for the rest of my life? And luckily, I had a manager who was an amazing, amazing woman who showed us that work can feel more like family. You can enjoy what you do, even when the circumstances that surround you are looking wild, you can find meaning in work and you can find really, really healthy relationships with your coworkers. That's mm -hmm. when I started to get interested in this concept of levity. And I, I read a book by Adrian Gostick and Scott Christopher about the power that levity has in the workplace. And I said, really? Is that, is that, a, is, is that a thing? And I asked my advisor if I could study that. And he said, yes. And I just, I went off and I started to basically interview every single person I could find who was enjoying and having a good time at work. I don't care where they were. If I, if I was at Popeye's, I would stop them and I would ask them questions because I, I saw that uh, if there were movers coming to move things into my office and they were joking with each other, I asked them questions about that and their working relationships. Mm -hmm. And from that, I formed a model of levity that is not what you would see in the dictionary. Um, there are three aspects of levity, one being amusement, which is that fun factor that you're used to hearing about. Um, the other is buoyancy, because uh -huh. levity comes from the Latin word levitas, um, so that float factor, um, where the pressure to rise above your circumstances is actually pushing you up harder than the pressure that's pushing you down. And then edification. So that's that uplifting, supportive element of levity. Um, because it's not just about telling jokes and having fun at the expense of other people, but it's an interaction, it's a connection that you have with someone else, um, a momentary connection that is positive, it's uplifting, it's fun. Uh, so I took that, that model, created an assessment, and validated that with a global sample of about 800 people, um, which was big back back when, you know, at that time, 
before the internet, all of our, our right. internet right. advances that we have right now. And I took that model right. and said, that's wonderful. I've got it. I've got a measure of levity and it's connected to things like job satisfaction, how cohesive your team is and how much you actually identify with your organization, how much you want to, you want to uh, recommend your organization, how much effort you want to give over and above that 40 hours, over and above what's in your job description. So I found all of these really wonderful uh, sort of outcomes that were linked to levity. And I took that information more recently and said, okay, it's, it's not just enough to be able to measure levity. I also want to give organizations some information about what they can do to set up that foundation, set up an environment where they can have levity and they can have those good outcomes. So Lead Levity is, is my organization and we help companies build mm -hmm. the foundations so that they can have levity. They can have more meaningful connections with people. That's what we do. I don't tell jokes <laughs> and I'm, <laughs> you don't? my jokes are the worst. <laughs> So, um, but I oh, do gosh. help people create an environment where if they set up an event, if they set up something fun for their people, people come and they look forward to it. They enjoy it because they have the trust in place, because they know that they can be their authentic selves, because their psychological safety, because it's open, open, positive and optimistic. So that's, that's the focus of Lead With Levity. When I've dealt with a lot of large companies that have big HR departments that are trying, I mean, you know, they are trying to make a more positive work environment, but it feels like they have the tools, but they okay. don't have the heart. What advice would you tell them if they wanted to start down this road? So what I'm hearing is they have a lot of money, but they don't necessarily have. <laughs> they, you know, they, maybe they've been throwing money at the problem. Maybe they've been, you know, trying to put systems in place to drive efficiency. And in the process of that, they've lost that that warm touch. Sometimes that happens with organizations. And maybe Heather, I can put it this way: maybe they have employee of the ah. year, but no one applies. Or they, or they give away cups with their logo on them mm. and everyone mm -hmm. throws them out. No, that's good. I uh, love those examples. <laughs> <laughs> or, they, or they give them a coupon for a turkey at Christmas time and everyone's Well, wow, that one sounded a little close to it. home. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. So, so I created the Levity Workplace Audit and this audit gives organizations feedback. Because you have to start with feedback and whether it's personal transformation or organization transformation, awareness is where we start um, because you need to know what your strong points are as well as your opportunities to improve so that you can form a plan. Um, so the levity mm -hmm. audit looks at various factors in your work environment and you get a report that lets you know what you need to improve upon. Um, you also get feedback from your teams because sometimes organizations will put committees together or they'll put one person in charge of something. And <laughs> maybe right. people don't like mugs. Maybe they drink water and not coffee, you know? And, and so 
that just doesn't land. Um, right. So one thing that's really great about this employee, it's a special kind of employee feedback survey that gives leaders not just the nitty gritty, but also uh, crowdsources the fun and provides them with a lot of feedback and suggestions mm -hmm. for what they can do that's going to actually resonate with their teams. Because every team, every organization is different. And I've seen, I've, I've seen some organizations do things that would not work <laughs> at all in another organization. So again, the, those ideas, yeah. they need to come from your team because at the end of the day, you're trying to motivate them. You're trying to get them excited. So you need to find out what actually mm -hmm. gets them excited. And this is des designed specifically to do that. You know, I, I've seen a lot of people do this on a smaller scale. I, I think uh, yeah. Southwest Airlines might be someone who has, uh, they've held on to a lot of their philosophies. Mm -hmm. And that's remarkable to me. Do you see magic somewhere there? Uh, where is their secret sauce? Right. In doing so their that? secret sauce is always in their people. And um, some of the other companies that are kind of like that, along the lines of those best companies that are winning awards, it's always the people. Um, they set up values and then they actually live those values. They don't just talk about it. And and they and they hire people Ooh. that line up with those values. So Southwest, you know, to get in, you have to be able to tell some jokes. You have to have a really good sense of humor. And it's important to them. And <laughs> it's important to us as customers, too, because if I go on to a Southwest flight, I'm looking for that that initial message. When I sit down and they're giving that safety message, I get excited about those on Southwest because I, I can't wait to hear what they're going to say. I know it's always going to be different. So it's it's yeah. allowing people to bring their authentic selves and ensuring that, that that also lines up with your values. One question I always love because really it's Selfishly, I love to ask this question is tell me about the books that you like to read or listen to. After I had my daughter, uh, reading was tough. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, I got into yes. audiobooks. That was the only way I could consume anything. And it was during my commute. And now that I don't have a commute, I really have to find a way to get yes. back into reading. You know, some of the more influential books for me. Uh, and I don't read fiction or anything like that. I'm always trying to read about self-improvement in some way. Three of maybe uh, the most influential books that I've read. Okay, maybe I'll add a fourth. Rich Dad, Poor Dad was <laughs> huge. It unlocked a lot for me. Oh. Um, the First 90 Days is a book about what you should do when you're stepping into a new leadership role and how can you like supercharge your career trajectory, your momentum in that first 90 days by doing doing it differently. You know, the yeah. secret was big. And yeah. then your erroneous zones by Wayne Dyer. It's old school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that book. I love I love uh, books that sure. help me think about the world in a new way. Think about the world in a new way. That's a great statement. And you have a quote that says a unique culture mm -hmm. starts with moments that matter. So, so what are the moments that have really mattered to you? Wow. In, way? in terms of like 
work and, and culture at work and all of that. One of those moments was getting to see my manager at the time, the same one who got me interested in levity. She planned the secret party bus experience for everyone in HR and took us off site. We didn't know where we were going. And we had such a great time. We went to her, her home, did a campfire, grill out kind of thing. And then she brought us back to work. No one was the wiser. <laughs> um, that, that, was a, that was more than just a moment, wow. but it was a series of moments um, that, that really had an impact on me because I felt like she cared, like we were family. Um, right. Anything like right. that where the leader has an opportunity to kind of take down that facade or, or that persona of leader and become human, become a person, show that they care, show that they can connect with you where you're at. Those are moments that I really, really cherish. Um, there was another moment that I had with one of my individuals on my team. And I said something to my team once. We were having a hard time. They were struggling because there was another department that was sort of complaining about some things, which happens every once in a while. And I, I think I told them, you know, just go out there and shine so bright that everyone has to wear shades or something like that. It's been at least <laughs> three or four years and she brought that example back up to me recently over the pandemic mm -hmm. and reflected on that. And she said, when you told us that, I felt empowered. I felt like you connected with us. You knew, you knew that we mm -hmm. were struggling, but you found a way to make it all better. And I use that phrase all the time and, you know, things like that. Um, I absolutely love. That's wonderful um, thoughts. I love the secret party bus and the shades. I thought you were going to tell me she brought you lots and lots <laughs> of uh, sunglasses uh, because right. they were uh, shining so brightly. Uh, as we end up this time, Heather, is there anything, any parting words that you would like to say? I would like to encourage everyone out there to take some time. There's always going to be something that's coming your way. Some priority, some stressor, something, someone that, that's going to be taking your attention. And I encourage you to find moments where you can just disconnect a little bit from all of the mayhem um, that's going on around you and reconnect with your inner sort of strength. Um, it's really important. I don't care if you have to go into your bathroom and lock the door, walk out into your, your, your backyard, <laughs> sit on the grass. I don't care what people think about you when you're doing those things, but you need to, to make sure that you're doing those things for yourself. It's really, really important um, because you're going to need that kind of inner strength over the next few months. Um, and as we move into 2021. So I just want to encourage um, all of your listeners as they, as they are thinking about their year coming up and what they're going to do in 2021. Um, it's going to be a great year, but you're also going to need your strength. So 
thank you so much for allowing me to to speak on a lot of different things today. It's been wonderful. And um, if anyone is interested in learning a little bit more about Lead with Levity, you can feel free to check out leadwithlevity.com. Okay, Heather, and that's how they can get in touch with you. Because I know what you have to say is so valuable right now. And I so appreciate it. I've enjoyed this time together. And with that, thank you. Thank you so much.